Hello and welcome to edition 18 of the English Agenda podcast with me, Rob Lewis. In a recent edition, I spoke to Tracy Dumas about the wealth of apps available for English language learners these days. Apps, of course, are just one consequence of the massive growth in the availability and use of mobile technology. This growth obviously poses some questions for teachers and may lead to some doubts of proper rethinking of roles. It's in response to this that a recent guide called Mobile Pedagogy for English Language Teachers was published. The guide is the outcome of research carried out in the UK with both teachers and learners in an ESOL and EAP context. One of the authors of the guide is Lucy Norris. Lucy is an education consultant currently working with The Open University. I interviewed Lucy recently and asked her to begin by giving a little background on the guide and the research that fed into it. Yes, I think most teachers around the world will be very aware of the fact that even in the last few years, the students in front of them are bringing with them mobile devices from tablets to smartphones that they're putting on the table in front of them if they're not putting them on their pocket. And teachers have got a lot of things to consider that they wouldn't have had a few years ago. And a lot of teachers are thinking, well, what are all these apps? You know, everyone's talking about apps, but which ones are good ones, which ones are bad ones? So the British Council and Open University have got together to research into areas like what is it that teachers and their learners identify as a desirable feature or desirable features of apps. So we talked to a lot of people to find out what they currently used and we asked them to choose and download and try over a course of three or four weeks different apps and then report on how they found them and how much they helped in their learning of language. Okay, now I'd, I'd like to come to learners and teachers as individual groups in a moment. But first of all, I'm, I'm always interested by the fact that, uh, well, it's the naming really, isn't it, that we talk about mobile learning or mobile pedagogy. Yeah. And yet, to me, it seems that it's the connectivity that matters. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's a valid point? It's a very valid point. And I think, first of all, a lot of people in language teaching think of mobile referring to the phone, to the smartphone. And in fact, it's about the learning being mobile. So Students will learn in the class, of course, primarily, but they will also learn outside the class. So the learners and the learning is mobile. Now, in terms of connectivity, it would be fine to have a mobile device with the Wi-Fi turned off. You can certainly do things like take photographs that can be used later. But if you add the connectivity, then we're talking about opening doors to be able to share and create work and communicate with people outside the classroom, experts bringing the outside world into the classroom and connecting it with potentially a global reach. And that's really exciting, creating content and sharing it and not just having the teacher or your fellow colleagues as the readers or the consumers of what you created. And that is what's really beginning to change now, isn't it? The, the connectivity, although maybe not always as quickly and as uniformly as we imagine. No, and I think we have to be really honest. Even here in the UK, when we're a developed world, there are many spaces in classrooms that do not have a good Wi-Fi access for all sorts of reasons. And so that's one of the reasons the guide looks at being able to look at apps that can be worked with offline or just use the features of the phone that aren't about apps. Things like taking video 
audio recording or image recording in terms of photography. So yes, I think we can't expect connectivity everywhere, but we certainly can expect it in other places. So maybe students do work at home um, after class, they may well be able to connect with their colleagues and with people outside sharing what they've done in class when they have Wi-Fi connections at home or at work. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'd like to start by talking about the students, actually, the, the learners you spoke to as part of this project. Hmm. Were there any clear patterns to emerge in terms of the sort of features that they identified as being most desirable, that kind of thing? Well, one thing that surprised us was that there was an enormous variation in students in terms of how familiar they were with their own phones. So we had lots of people working in groups in different workshops, showing each other what they did with their phone in terms of how they used it to enrich their language learning. And we found that students got a lot out of the experience of learning from other students on their same courses or in other classes as well as their same classes, realising that they could learn peer-to-peer. And there were things they had no idea that their phones could do, like taking a screenshot, and they hadn't thought about how useful that might be. So in terms of other features on the phone, which are perhaps not just native to the phone, but say the apps Mm. that you were interested in finding out about, what did you find out from, from the learners you interviewed? Gosh, I don't know if app developers from the world of English language teaching will be too pleased with this. However, they found a lot of them boring and repetitive. And maybe this is an example of the way the world's changed, but they were happy to spend money on books, but they were not happy to spend money on apps. (laughs) So they were looking for free apps. And many apps have a certain amount of content that's free, often at lower levels. But once you get to a certain stage, then there's a charge at which point the students turn off. So what we were really interested in doing is showing them real world apps rather than language learning apps in which they could do learning practices that help them enrich their language. But the apps they were using were not related to pushing content at them in, a, in the same way that a book would be. So they weren't apps full of content for learning, like improving your vocabulary or improving your grammar. They were apps like Evernote mm-hmm. or ThingLink, which together with their teachers helping them use them, meant that they were using an app that could be used in any context, but we were specifically co-opting it in a way for language learning. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you... You kind of imagine that uh, learners would go for the the usual old school style of, for example, grammar practice, vocabulary practice on their phone as opposed to in a textbook. But what you're saying is that they were keener on the features from the non-language learning apps. Once their teachers, and with my help a bit, made them understand different learning strategies and what they could do, that's that's true. But do remember that the research we did was here in the UK where students were surrounded by a sea of English and perhaps students in other contexts internationally would be far keener on those kind of apps where they, you know, perhaps relate more traditionally to books. But one of the aims of this research project was to try to get the idea out to app developers that we have to do something different apart from transmitting content. We want learners to be able to create their own content. And that's a very powerful thing as a language learner. Indeed. Now, I'd like to move on 
to talk about teachers as well, because obviously you uh, you spoke to teachers in the UK and did their responses match with what you got from the learners? Teachers have, are having a hard time, and I'm sure this is around the world, but particularly in the UK, because or, or in Canada, America, Australia, or anywhere where students go to a country where English is the sort of the main language, in that they feel quite threatened. They sort of report, well, what am I supposed to do when the, teach the students in front of me can all use Google Translate or they can all use their dictionaries? You know, what's my job? So I think teachers are feeling a little bit uncomfortable about the fact that learners are taking into their own hands things like when they choose to look up a word or when they choose to look up at a grammar point. So I think we need to establish a bit of a dialogue between teachers and students in terms of understanding where each other is coming from. Mm. So we can't leave teachers out of it unless teachers see the advantages to using the kind of pedagogy we're suggesting in the guide that does use mobile devices, but it's about the pedagogy, not the technology. So, yeah, until they start a dialogue with their students about what they're doing and why they're doing it and give students perhaps a bit more choice in terms of the tools that they use to do tasks, I think it will carry on being a little bit awkward for a while till we settle down and dis discover what we're, what we're going to do with these things in the classrooms. They're very new for a lot of teachers. Now, in your guide, you have created a planning tool to help teachers, haven't you? Can you tell us something about that? Yes, we have a planning tool that helps people to have a think about what they're doing in lessons in terms of how an activity might exploit aspects of mobile learning and mobile pedagogy. So the main one being teacher wisdom. Teachers know very well what to do and they are the experts in the room. If we put that together with things like the features of mobile devices and the fact that learners and learning is mobile and the fact that language is not a fixed thing, it's dynamic. So what you might use in the classroom is very different from what you might use in the street. So what we're doing is asking people to perhaps have a rethink about the way they plan lessons and we have a tool there that helps them to go through a few questions to think about well this is what I want to do this is what I want to achieve these are the outcomes that I have to have or I would like to move towards now how is it that I might be helped in this using reflection inquiry and rehearsal which are all helped very much by mobile devices now, I should say at this stage, we'll leave a link for anybody listening to this to be able to find the guide that you've put together. So certainly that's something to look out for, the, the planning tool in the guide. But I think perhaps a, a question to finish off with, which uh, hopefully will wrap it up quite nicely, is to what extent you think mobile devices can really enhance learning in the English language classroom. A lot of talk about just now the usefulness of non-language learning tools which, uh, which may be helpful for learners perhaps outside the classroom, but in the classroom? Well, one of the main things that we need to do as lang language learners is to try out the language that we produce. So our devices are there that can help us reflect on our own learning needs. They can capture a conversation that you have with another student. So there we have a conversation, a normal pair work activity, but the difference is that you might choose to record one or two minutes of it. And after that, you can listen to it again, pause, stop, ask the teacher for feedback, listen to it yourself with your group, work out what you needed to say and couldn't, 
find out and use the tool to research the exact phrase or the vocabulary item that you need to fill that gap. And I think that's a really important thing. And then you can have another go. So you can use it as a rehearsal, having done it, reflected on it, repeat the activity again, trying to refine. This is something which is relatively new in the, in the English classroom and purely a result of the kind of features that you find on, uh, on mobile phones these days. The fact that it's so easy, yes. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of teachers are doing it. And I'm thinking, you know, even 20 years ago, I was dragging tape recorders in and asking students to do much the same. But nowadays, it's so easy. A group of two or three, one of them can use their phones to record all three of them. And, and they come out very well. And they can also then be used afterwards by the teacher to make an, an electronic portfolio, perhaps, of achievement. They could also be used for assessment purposes. And they could be used for learners to have a, have a, a record of the way that their language is improving. And I think having the choice to record or not to record and in what mode, in video or not. So a lot of our students like to record themselves presenting something and then look at it afterwards, look at their body language, listen to their mistakes. And they would do it again and again until they felt it was good enough to do in front of their colleagues and they really appreciated that. That was Lucy Norris. The guide for teachers is available to download on the English Agenda site. It was funded by the British Council as part of a series of research papers, which you can also find on English Agenda. Now, staying with research, this year will be the sixth year of the British Council's ELT Research Awards. If you're interested in applying for research funds, then do so soon, as the deadline is in mid-April. Follow the link on the podcasts page to find out more. April will also see the annual IATEFL conference, this year taking place in Manchester. If you can't make it, remember you can still follow online via the Manchester Online site, going live very soon. I hope I might see some of you there. That's all for this edition. I hope you found the interview with Lucy interesting. Thanks very much for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>